Let's get started with our first segment. We're going to be speaking with Jonathan Kotab, the Executive Director of Friends of Sabeel North America, an unapologetic Christian voice for Palestine. And Dr. Kotab is a human rights attorney and author of Beyond the Two-State Solution. So he has some interesting ideas on uh, why the two-state solution is a political unicorn, shall we say. Sorry, John, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry for, for calling you a doctor. I'm not sure if that's, if that's accurate, Jonathan, but welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you here with us. Thank you very much. Good to be here. <laughs> okay. So first, just tell us a little bit more about Friends of Sibyl North America. You're with the group and it's a transdenominational Christian organization saying that it seeks justice and peace in the Holy Land. Uh, promoting a vision of an ecumenic with an ecumenical liberation theology. So we want to hear about this and about the work that you all do. Well, uh, Sabil actually is a uh, grassroots movement. Uh, it's an ecumenical movement that, that that tries to promote liberation theology, which means we try to make our faith relevant to what's happening in the world around us. Uh, it uh, belongs to all denominations, and I am uh, very proud to have been uh, with the organization uh, since it started and uh, to do my best to uh, keep its message alive, particularly in today's uh, situation. And what kind of work is there for Palestinian Christians to be doing? Uh, what kind of work do you all do, and and, and how do you... Um, talk about the fact that there are Christians in Palestine. What is, what is your, you know, message well, around that? A, a lot of our work is educational, uh, promoting the message of, uh, Sabil, uh, some of which has to do with countering Christian Zionism, which is the misuse and abuse of scripture to justify uh, Zionism and what it's doing uh, to Palestinians today. Yeah, but a lot of it is also activism, uh, going around to churches, to legislators, to prominent people, informing them about what's going on and challenging them uh, to do the right thing. Uh, of course, uh, when we have an ongoing uh, uh, genocide as we have today, obviously uh, our activities are much more uh, compressed and impactful uh, because uh, we realize we have an obligation uh, to bring that message even more so than in usual times. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people and groups have been uh, responding to that. And we're going to get into the ongoing genocide uh, very shortly. But first, I just want you to talk a little bit about the type of solidarity that you have been experiencing, that FOSNA has been experiencing since October 7th, and the um, yeah type of solidarity it's been experiencing and the type of solidarity that you have been acting in with other groups. Uh, I know that FOSNA has co-sponsored some uh, protests in New York City, uh, led by various Palestinian groups. And, you know, that's obviously heartening to see these co-sponsored actions. Well, it's, it's very interesting, the kind of solidarity we have been getting, which has been very encouraging. Uh, a lot of the solidarity has been with Jewish groups, very progressive Jewish groups who, who find what's happening totally appalling, partly in light of their own 
experience with uh, genocide. Of course. Uh, partly out of their own uh, commitment uh, to what is going on. What has been really shocking is the failure of Christian groups uh, to do their job as mm. Mm. The response mm-hmm. of the church has been tipped, has been very shy, has been very reluctant, uh, to the point where even to call for a ceasefire, one of the most basic things, has become quite controversial, and it takes a lot of moral courage. Can you imagine that? It takes yeah. courage for Christians <laughs> to call for peace at the time of Christmas. It's, it's shocking for me to even say those words. Yes, it, it, it's, and it's shocking to hear, to be honest. Um, but so speaking of that, there, you know, we do want to talk a little bit. I mean, yesterday was the Christmas celebrated by, uh, many, uh, Christians and we have also the Orthodox and the Coptic Christians who celebrate it later on the 6th and 7th of January. But uh, Christmas was usually there are Christmas celebrations, uh, lighting and, and whatnot in, in Bethlehem. But uh, ahead of Christmas, uh, because of because of the genocidal attacks on Gaza and the attacks on the West, in the West Bank on uh, and really all Palestinians living in the in the in the territory um it was canceled so there apparently bethlehem was rather quiet uh yesterday they did not encourage people to not celebrate christmas but to obviously think of the dead dying and the persecuted this year as many have said if jesus was born today he would have been born under rubble and uh just to make that even more i don't want to call it ironic even more true uh, yesterday, during ongoing uh, Israeli settler, often backed by IDF, uh, raids of Palestinian homes in the West Bank, many villages, many towns were attacked, including Bethlehem, on Christmas. Um, so, can you please comment on on that? And then, if you want to, also the the attacks of the the churches in Gaza. Well, this is this is indeed a very ironic. And, and, and I'm not sure I even understand, uh, how that is even possible. Uh, because usually, uh, my, my, my experience is that the Israelis have been very careful and have tried to, uh, maintain public opinion, have tried to project uh, a certain facade or image of liberality and of democracy and of, uh, sort of decency. Uh, but but uh, recently that has been eroding very rapidly, uh, perhaps under the current government. But now we see something almost entirely different. Uh, we see a new uh, power, uh, almost power drunkenness, uh, and a new feeling that we can and therefore we will. That as long as President Biden is behind us, as long as Congress is behind us, as long as the 1% are with us, as long as we have the power to do it, we don't need to worry about public opinion. We don't need to worry about international law. We don't need to worry about morality. We don't even have to be careful what we say or don't say. We can be open about it. I've never seen a situation uh, where genocide is openly promoted and advocated and expressed 
both in terms talking about uh, Palestinians being human animals, talking about wiping out Gaza, talking about ethnic cleansing as if it was the most natural and normal thing uh, to do. Usually, uh, I, I'm a lawyer, and so I'm always looking to the legal angle. Uh, the, the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide uh, talks clearly what is genocide. How do you prove, how do you show that it's genocide? And usually one of the hardest things to do is to prove intent. In this case, there is no problem. The Israeli officials at every level openly talk about their intent to wipe out Gaza, to totally destroy and eliminate it. They talk about cutting off water, cutting off medicine, cutting off food, uh, forcing people out of their homes. Uh, you have 24 hours, you have to leave. We don't care where you go, just go south, go out of here. We talk about Netanyahu promoting, publicly promoting, ethnically cleansing all of the Gaza Strip, making it totally unlivable and moving people to Sinai or other places, uh, even asking other countries, why don't you just take the Palestinians, take them off our hands. We don't want them here anymore. Uh, this kind of blatant uh, disregard for international law, for public opinion, for morality, uh, and, and just reliance on total power, uh, I've never seen before. Right. And so going back to um, the extremism of the current government and how there is more uh, all of this open um Ethnic cleansing, including now that of Christian Palestinians. Um, let's go to a, a clip on December 18th from Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, Flor Hassan Nahum, who said, there are no churches in Gaza and no Christians in Gaza after being presented uh, by a British reporter of a, with a report that Israeli forces targeted a church uh, on December 17th. Why is it necessary, it would, is reported, to start shooting, having snipers outside a church? I don't, I saw the report this morning. Um, the church, there are no churches in Gaza, so I'm not quite sure where the report well, is, the, is, is, is talking a, about. There's a Catholic church in there, isn't there, that is... Yeah, unfortunately, there are no Christians because they were dry, dro driven, driven out by... Well, there are, us. respectfully, uh, there are Christians because I spoke to an MP yesterday who has family members in the church who are Christians. Well, I don't uh, know what happened. I don't know who was attacked. I didn't see the report. Jerusalem, Flor Hassan Nahum, and uh, just to back that up, church leaders say Israeli troops killed two women and injured seven others at the Holy Family Parish in northern Gaza on December 17th, and churches in Gaza have in fact been under siege since the beginning of the war and long before that. For example, St. Porphyrius, built in 1150, is the oldest church still in use in Gaza, uh, located in Gaza City, and an Israeli airstrike hit it on October 20th, killing at least 18 people who were sheltering there. And this church was offering sanctuary to people of various faiths uh, in that moment and over generations. So um, comment on that and comment on the fact, please, that the this uh, deputy mayor of Jerusalem is outright saying, you know, lies. I guess that was a lie. Well, it's 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 convenient, I think, 
from the Israeli propaganda point of view uh, to totally dismiss uh, Palestinian Christians as non-existent and to present the conflict uh, such as it is as one between Islam and Judeo-Christian values and morality, with Islam being the other, the barbarians, the uh, negative uh, people. And, and, and uh, of course, when you talk about Christians, that throws that whole narrative uh, into uh, confusion. Uh, because what do you do with Palestinian Christians? This is one of the things that we run across in, uh, in, in Sabil all the time. Uh, because we are a Christian group, and the Christian community is not just a theoretical something, it's a living, uh, operating uh, community of, of faithful people who trace their history back, uh, actually, to the time of the Pentecost, uh, to, the, to the time of Jesus. Uh, so for, for him to say there are no such thing as Palestinians, uh, as Palestinian Christians is, is only the same thing that, that he used to say that there's no such thing as Palestinians anyway. That Palestinians are like some invented people that, that we don't exist. Uh, because obviously if we don't exist, then you haven't displaced anybody. You haven't replaced anybody. You haven't taken anybody's land uh, because there was nobody there. It was a land without a people for a people without a land. Uh, so this erasure of Palestinians, uh, theoretically, uh, consciously, but also physically, they need to be removed. We are an obstacle that needs to be out of the way. Right. And um, you live in East Jerusalem, uh, or you've lived in East Jerusalem. Tell us a little bit about uh, just the day-to-day oppression uh, that one might well, face the the Palestinian community ha- has always been a multi-ethnic, multi-religious community. Uh, there are Palestinian Christians, there are Palestinian Muslims. There used to be also Palestinian Jews who spoke Arabic and ate hummus and played dabke, and and uh, they just were of the Jewish faith. Uh, so uh, Palestine has always been multi-religious and multi-ethnic. Uh, community. Uh, what, what, what Zionism does is say, no, all these other groups don't really belong. This only belongs to the Jewish people. Only they uh, are uh, genuine or indigenous or worthy of note. Everybody else are transient. They just happen to be here. We don't know why. It's an accident of history. <laughs> uh, it ought to be uh, corrected anyway, uh, because they don't exist. Uh, our very existence is a uh, problem, I think, for the Zionist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in our last question, Jonathan, I want to uh, circle back to something you mentioned earlier, which was the failure of Christian groups to stand up and do anything as little as calling for a ceasefire. So um, could you just talk a little bit more about that, just about what groups are doing things and then the groups that are maybe curious about getting involved, how they could? Well, uh, I, I think a lot of grassroots groups are acting. Some churches are acting individually. 
The problem is with the leadership. The problem is at the very top. Uh, many churches uh, at the very top are are afraid. They don't want to upset uh, their own relationship with the Jewish community, uh, especially the organized Jewish community, because they have no problem with Jews as such. It's the organized Jewish community that that, that is exercising uh, great power. Uh, we, we've seen even the universities are afraid. Heads of universities are afraid to allow uh, Palestinian solidarity uh, on their campuses uh, because they would lose donations. Uh, they they would uh, they get investigated by the federal government. Uh, it's it's it's. I've never seen a situation where so much power was exerted to silence people. I mean, uh, the United States is a pluralistic society. It has uh, people from different communities, different parts of the world, different countries, different ethnicities. And, and all these ethnicities can live together in this country. They can be fully American and still be Greek or Latin, uh, Latino or uh, uh, Italian or uh, Arab or whatever. But when it comes to this issue, to the issue of Palestine, all of a sudden, there is great uh, pressure on everybody to conform to the official line. And if you deviate from it, uh, you, you can actually be uh, punished uh, for deviating from the official narrative. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Jonathan Katab, an international human rights lawyer and executive director of Friends of Sabil North America, which you can find at Fosna Live on social media if you want to follow them or online at Friends of Sabil North America. So thank you so much for joining us. And we will go to a short break here, a music break, and we'll be right back with more.